Dispatches. This is your host, Mark Leon Goldberg. As the conflict in Gaza drags on, there's a renewed diplomatic push to secure a ceasefire agreement. I speak with Michael Hanna of the Century Foundation, who walks us through some of the complex diplomacy that's accompanying these negotiations. We discuss the role that Egypt, the United States, and Qatar are playing in forwarding these negotiations and the various sometimes competing interests that these groups have. We also discuss one solution that may offer a face-saving way out of this crisis. So stay tuned. If you're new to the podcast, you can subscribe to Global Dispatches on iTunes and find all of our episodes on UN Dispatch. Here it is, my conversation with Michael Hanna of the Century Foundation. Looking for a trustworthy podcast to bring you unfiltered viewpoints and experiences on global health? Tune into Global Health Matters, the podcast that connects silos and amplifies diverse voices to give you a holistic picture. Each month, Dr. Gary Aslanian from the World Health Organization hosts discussions with guests spanning former ministers of health, award-winning journalists and authors, and frontline public health workers. Join listeners from across 180 countries for an exciting Season 4, launching in June. Global Health Matters is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. shouldn't look at Egypt as an honest broker, um, but more as the broker of last resort. Um, Qatar and Turkey cannot negotiate over Egypt's borders, uh, and so Egypt becomes indispensable. Uh, there's no way around Egypt. Other players can be involved. Qatar obviously has very close connections and links with uh, Hamas. Uh, Khaled Mish'al uh, is based in Doha. Uh, and that's, I should but, say that's the the what the political leader of Hamas, correct? Right. Yeah. Uh, yes. Uh, and so, uh, you know, there's no way around Egypt. Um, so even if Egypt is an interested party, partly dealing in bad faith, uh, I think the initial ceasefire effort, uh, that initial announcement was fairly disingenuous. It was a move. Um, that Egypt knew would be rejected by Hamas at that juncture. Uh, but again, at the end of the day, there, there's no way to, to get a deal unless Egypt is on board. Uh, and so as we see now, there are multiple actors involved. Uh, it's not just the Egyptians. Uh, but obviously, Egypt is a central player. Um, and uh, there's just no getting around geography at the end of the day. But if you're Hamas, like, what do you get out of dealing with Egypt? Well, uh, you, you share a border with Egypt. Uh, your main demand, as was reiterated over and over again yesterday during uh, the speech that Khaled Mish'al gave in Doha, uh, is the lifting of the closure policy. Uh, Egypt, Gaza is essentially uh, largely cut off from the world. Uh, there is no free flow of goods and people in and out of Gaza. Uh, and so Gazans are uh, effectively uh, held prisoner in, in many respects. Um, that policy is never going to change unless some sort of agreement is reached between Hamas and Egypt. Um, so whether there is bad blood, whether Hamas thinks Egypt is dealing in bad faith, uh, whether Hamas believes that Egypt's diplomatic positions uh, effectively allowed for an Israeli escalation, 
those things might complicate uh, uh, Hamas's uh, negotiating posture uh, and clearly will make them suspicious of agreements that lack guarantees. Uh, so we won't see a repeat of the 2012 ceasefire, uh, which uh, essentially was never implemented in terms of dealing with uh, an easing of the closure policy. Uh, so that all is uh, quite relevant for how the negotiations will transpire. Uh, but if but if Hamas wants uh, the closure policy to be eased, uh, again, there's no getting around Egypt. They share a border, uh, and uh, uh, and you know at the end of the day, they'll have to they will have to come to some sort of acceptable accommodation. Um, uh, to, for the Egyptians to, uh, to, to ease their, own, their policy of closure. So if you're in Cairo, or from Egypt's perspective, like, what do they have to gain from dealing with Hamas? I mean, is it, is it just that you know, their stature and LCC's stature is elevated on an international stage as he's sort of the one that was instrumental in bringing the ceasefire to be? Uh, you know, well... Sorry, go ahead. No, 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 please. I, I'm, I'm just curious to know, like, what, what do they yeah, have to, no, I mean, to stand to gain? Yeah, I mean, Egypt uh, obviously wants to play a diplomatic role, but I think it's not just, uh, you know, it's not like Qatar. Uh, Egypt shares a border with, with Hamas and Gaza. Uh, and so um, this, uh, Egypt, as any other country, is very sensitive about its borders and uh, security. Uh, and so... Uh, you know whether we agree with Egyptian assessments about the threats that Gaza represents to Egypt, particularly vis-a-vis uh, -vis the Sinai, uh, we have to account for Egyptian perceptions. Uh, and um, clearly, they see Hamas and Gaza uh, as a fused theater with Sinai uh, and a conduit for uh, militancy and materiel. Uh, and uh, a route for arms smuggling that impacts Egypt's national security. Now, some of their perceptions about the role of Hamas uh, in keeping with the general tenor of Egyptian politics for, uh, for, the, for the past few years um, is not in keeping with the actual threat. Uh, but uh, that being said, uh, clearly it is a problematic situation for Egypt at a problematic border, uh, and does impact uh, Egyptian national security at some level, uh, and uh, and so you know they are going to have a, a very direct interest in uh, in securing a deal that they believe um, is in keeping with their uh, with their uh, border policies. Um, now beyond that, uh, Egypt also has some ulterior motives with respect to Hamas. Um, they would like to see Hamas weakened. Uh, they, uh, as part of a ultimate deal, if we do see one in the coming days, would very likely uh, want to see uh, Palestinian Authority troops take control of the border crossings. Uh, and so I think this is going to be a key point, uh, that uh, whether it is the PA or some other non-Hamas forces, uh, being uh, the uh, the responsible party for uh, border crossings. Uh, that's I mean so that, I that's, that's something that's fascinating. That that's never happened before, right? I mean it's it's uh, kind of a, a novel uh, idea, it seems. But I guess from an Israeli perspective, right? If if the PA is in government with Hamas, is that something that they would accept? 
Well, I mean, the reporting on this was slightly garbled. It was never a unity government, but a consensus government. This was the idea uh, that was iterated several months ago, and which, uh, you know, which which faced very uh, severe hostility from the Israelis. Um, you know, I, I just uh, the the status quo is very difficult to sustain. The closure policy is largely punitive uh, in many respects and not about security. Um, the PR that Israel has gotten from uh, this uh, latest bout of conflict has been quite negative. Uh, and uh, to get to a cessation of hostilities, there's going to have to be some face-saving mechanism by which all the parties can claim to have uh, uh, achieved some of their goals. Uh, and so uh, this uh, mechanism by which border crossings uh, are taken over by non-Hamas forces might be the only way, uh, way out uh, in, in the near term. Um, so, you know, it seems as if from an American perspective, their, their sort of stated goal is for a implementation of the 2012 ceasefire agreement. Like, uh, you know, Samantha Power at the UN uh, this week, you know, has reiterated that you know, it's U.S. policy to return to the, you know, 2012 ceasefire agreement. Um, is is this a realistic uh, policy? I mean, is, is this um, – I see how it makes sense politically, but do you see that, you know, do you see the U.S. as having to bend at some point? Well, the U.S. and Egypt and other parties. I mean, Egypt initially wanted quiet for quiet, which was essentially the 2012 deal – but the problem with the 2012 deal is it was never there was never follow through implementation. Basically, uh, it said border crossings will be opened when as soon as security has been uh, stabilized, uh, and of course, that never happened. So Hamas was burned by 2012. Um, Egypt is is very adamant about sequencing. They want a cessation of hostilities first, and then a discussion about substance. Now, the way around all of this might be this concept of a humanitarian truce, uh, which uh, perhaps gets you to that kind of sequencing, uh, but leaves enough wiggle room for, for all the parties to, 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 to see this as a viable face-saving step. Uh, but but for, for Egypt, this this was uh, this sequencing was was quite important because they uh, they don't want to be seen as uh, coerced by uh, by Hamas into uh, favorable concessions. Um, so 2012 is is a bare bones document, uh, and um, if we do see uh, a ceasefire this go round, I imagine it will have to be a a more serious. Uh, set of agreements uh, potentially with some with some guarantees. Um, so, so basically, the sequence of events you see unfolding is another humanitarian pause, and there have been uh, two of them so far. But that this gives space, but presumably only like a few hours of space for the, for negotiations to to on a ceasefire agreement to take hold. Uh, I think it would have to be several days. I mean, I think. Um, you know, I've heard mention of several days of a humanitarian truce. I think hours is not um, is not sufficient, um, but we we could see several days of humanitarian truce. I mean, we should also remember that negotiations are ongoing, uh, and so it's not as if the the parties would be broaching these topics for the first time. Um, these discussions have been happening. Um, the humanitarian truce uh, would be a 
uh, a face-saving mechanism that would buy further time, stop the carnage, uh, and uh, and allow the parties to uh, to conclude uh, a broader agreement. Uh, of course, timing is an issue, and again, I come back to this idea of guarantees. Uh, it might be that the details of the deal can't be negotiated in three to four days. Uh, and if that is the case, then we then then this issue of guarantees. Uh, by which uh, Hamas would gain some confidence about the uh, about future lifting of closure policy uh, become quite important, uh, and potentially that's a place for the United States. Um, so, you know, I think that's that's the potential sequence of events. Uh, I wouldn't say that it is inevitable. Uh, I think there's still a ways to go. Um, if the parties do think that a deal is coming and that this uh, humanitarian truce is the intermediary step before uh, a formal ceasefire, then I think we'll see the parties escalate the fighting in the coming days uh, to try to maximize leverage in the talks uh, and, and to uh, depict uh, the end of fighting uh, as a uh, victory. One interesting sort of sub-Rosa angle to all of this that I think is often um, overlooked uh, is that there's, a, uh, there's, there's some uh, countervailing pressures on both Egypt and Israel with respect to Gaza, and in the end, some divergent interests. Uh, and this is mainly about the ultimate responsibility uh, for Gaza. Uh, Israeli uh, hardliners uh, have often spoken of a three-state solution. Uh, Jordan taking control of some uh, of the uh, West Bank uh, cities, uh, and Egypt essentially uh, becoming uh, the administrator uh, of Gaza. Uh, and so Egypt is very sensitive uh, to the idea of unilateral Egyptian steps, particularly in terms of the border crossings. Uh, and so uh, I think if we see a ceasefire deal and, uh, and an easing of the closure policy, for Egypt that will require reciprocal Israeli steps, uh, such that this isn't seen as a gradual shifting of responsibility uh, from Egypt to uh, from Israel to Egypt uh, over uh, over the long-term future uh, of Gaza, uh, and so I think it's just an important uh, note to remember well, what would uh, those, about. Sorry, sorry, what would those is, uh, reciprocal Israeli steps look like, or what could they be? Well, it, it, an easing of the the closure policy on the Israeli end as well. Uh, mm -hmm. That 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 the border isn't dealt with. Uh, solely as a Rafah, which is the main Egyptian border crossing, uh, as a Rafah issue, uh, that this there would have to be uh, a step that that uh, was both uh, included uh, Egyptian and Israeli easing uh, of the of the border uh, closure. Uh, great. Well, Michael, thank you so much for your time. This was uh, very interesting and helpful as we sort of navigate the uh, diplomatic thicket in the the coming days. Uh, thanks for having me. And thank you all for listening. Next week, I have Dan Dresner on the line uh, for one of my long-form interviews. So remember to subscribe to Global Dispatches on iTunes. And we'll see you later. Bye.